All right, we're going to take a break from Romans this week, and um, Ty's going to finish up next week, probably Romans uh, 10, and then at some point uh, with the next couple weeks, I'll start Romans 11. We'll both be out of town the weekend of the 9th for Bryce's wedding, so um, we'll have somebody else speaking that week, and uh, not sure what on. So I decided to do something different this morning and um, look at just some things about the church. Uh, Paul wrote the letter, obviously, to Rome. Uh, by the way, I just figured, found this out this week that uh, some commentators believe there was actually two churches in Rome and uh, two small home churches. And that, um, and we'll, when we get to chapter 16, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a footnote there about that. But for sure, there was at least one, obviously. And so Paul's writing to this uh, small congregation in Rome that he had never met. And I would got to thinking about the church in general, the state of the church in the United States, and and uh, where it's going, and um, and just some things that were been on my heart. So I thought I'd just share them with you this morning. Um, the people of the church, or that we might say, what are they like? Or even more specifically, what are the marks of a true church? Um, we'll look at several characteristics of the people of the church, or that make up the church. Uh, the word church, I'm sure you're familiar with this, is the word ekklesia. The Greek word, it means to be called. E-K means to call or uh, out. I mean, we get our word exit from that. And then the kalesia is the idea of, of calling. So the, the church is the called out ones. Uh, it's translated assembly sometimes uh, in the New Testament. Uh, it's only used uh, three times the word in the four Gospels. Uh, and uh, but in the book of Acts and in Paul's writings, it's, he uses the word over 80 times. Um, and it's again a reminder. It's to speak of the group of people, those who are God's elect, those who are of um, have been called to meet together. It can speak of the universal church in the uh, New Testament of all believers, or can speak of local churches. So when Paul writes a letter to the church at Ephesus. He is writing to the believers there at Ephesus. Uh, it's never used of a building, which is our most common use. You know, if we're going to church or we're going to go, there's a church on the corner. Uh, it's never used like that in the New uh, Testament. So um, uh, just a side note, uh, we have, uh, I was listening to a podcast this week uh, from a pastor over in uh, Malawi, but the uh, when we read the Apostles' Creed, uh, we use the word um, universal church, I think it is. In the original Apostles' Creed, they used the word Catholic, uh, the, the, the uh, universal or the Catholic church. And uh, because of the confusion of the word Catholic with Roman Catholic, we've taken that out. But when you see the word Catholic, especially in old writings, it just simply means universal. And so when we say, I actually, I'm like uh, Dave Levy always said, I don't want to uh, give up the uh, word Catholic to the Catholics. And so um, I actually like the, the, that. Uh, it's like giving up the, uh, the rainbow, right? Um, we, know what, we, we know what the rainbow is. So uh, anyway, so when you see that word Catholic, it just simply means universal uh, there. So the first word we want to look at is, uh, is the word repentant. Uh, the word repent in the New Testament is the word uh, metamoria, M-E-T-A-N-O-I-A. 
and it simply means to change your mind, to change your position. So picture somebody that is probably the Apostle Paul is the greatest uh, example of that. Here he's heading to Damascus, and the Lord works on his life, brings about uh, regeneration, and so he turns around. So picture someone walking in one direction and then turning around and walking in another direction. That's the word uh, repentance here. Uh, Acts um, 2.38, um, this is the first introduction to it. Uh, we'll have a look at a lot of verses this morning and, uh, and just work our way through. If you have any comments or questions, please feel free to either raise your hand or just interrupt. Um, I would be glad to hear your comments. Um, Peter says unto them in Acts 2.38, uh, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it's true that every born-again believer has there's repentance in their life. There's a huge discussion today in the theological world, and it's been going on for, uh, for many years, uh, about uh, is repentance even necessary? Uh, it, do people need to repent? Uh, you probably, I don't know if you've read anything on a man named uh, Zane Hodge, uh, Charles Ryrie, the famous the Ryrie Study Bible, uh, they would deny that repentance is even part of salvation. In fact, they would see it as a work. And, uh, and so uh, it's, it's very interesting when you read this. Um, in fact, they go as far as making the claim that those who see repentance as, necessary, as a necessary part of salvation are adding to the doctrine of justification by faith alone. Uh, some claim it's a work and can't be part of salvation process. Uh, turn to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, teen a minute, and let's read there. Uh, Matthew 17, verse 4, he says, Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here with you. Let us make, uh, and I read the wrong verse here. Sorry. I... Well, I was even up early this morning checking verses and missed that one completely. All right, well, we'll move on from there. Uh, that uh, Jesus, I was looking for a, a section where Jesus thought that was repentance was necessary, and I don't know where, I apologize for that. Uh, I wrote it down incorrectly here. Well, uh, believe me, there's a place in here where Jesus does talk about repentance, and you just have to take my word for it, and uh, I want to make a note of that here, clear that up. Uh, in uh, Luke chapter 24, let's try that one, see if I did better there. Luke 24. And we'll look at verses 44 through 48. Um, then this is Jesus spoken. Uh, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was with, still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which are written in the law of the prophets of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And he said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. 
And then notice this, and the, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name unto all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you witness to all these things. So uh, this is the Luke's account of the Great Commission as recorded in Matthew 28. And so Jesus is saying that not only is the gospel, but part of the gospel is the idea of repentance. And um, yes. Four seventeen. You want to read that? Do you have it? Oh yeah, yeah. That was with John the Baptist. Uh, that, that, that message. Yes. Thank you. I have a new program on my computer, and uh, this was the first week I tried it out, and obviously there's some kinks. Uh, so, but thanks, Chris. Yeah, so, my point is here: we want to see just that, that repentance is part of salvation. It's not an added work. It's, it is necessary. Um, the gospel today is more than just raising your hand and walking an aisle and signing a card. It, there's a commitment that is part of that. And part of that is going the direction you were going and turning and going in other direction. Um, you cannot continue uh, trust Christ and continue in the same direction that you're going. I think Romans has made that clear. Uh, but I think it's important for us to be uh, reminded of that. Uh, the, uh, let's look at a couple other verses. Um, that's important to note that repentance is not just turning away from something. It's not just stopping what you're doing, but it's turning towards Christ. It's, it's not just the idea of stopping whatever you were doing, but it's the idea of, of moving towards Christ, putting off the old, as Paul would say, in, in, uh, in the Ephesians and Colossians in putting on uh, the new. Uh, there's an interesting passage. Look at Matthew 27, and uh, I find this very interesting. Uh, and here's an example of what repentance doesn't look like. Uh, in Matthew 27, 3, this is Judas, and it says, Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, uh, looking, looking at what had happened, was remorseful. Some translations put that was repentant um, and brought back the 30 pieces of silver, the chief priests and the elders saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Now, you could argue that Judas was repentant there. I don't think the scriptures bear that out. I think Judas certainly died, uh, committed suicide apparently, and then went and, and is cast into eternity, the hell forever. And so uh, there are people that look like they repent. They're sorry for their sin, but uh, that is not uh, true biblical repentance. Uh, it's better to understand that he was sorry or he regretted that he got caught. It's kind of like the kid in the cookie jar with his hand in it. You know, I'm sorry I got caught. As soon as your mother turns around, he's got his hand back in the cookie jar again. And so uh, there are cases uh, shedding of tears as Jesus did does not prove repentance it only proves that he was sorry uh, for that uh, look at Luke chapter 18 a minute and I think we see a picture of that um, Luke 18 verses 9 through 14 this is the parable of the Pharisee the tax collector and he says, he spoke to the parable to some who trusted in themselves 
that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, and one Pharisee, the other a tax collector, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even that of the tax collectors. I fast twice a week. I give tithe of all my possessed. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not even look as much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So repentance is the idea of humbling yourself before God. I can't do this on my own. I need to trust you. I'm turning from my old ways and turning uh, to uh, the new or, or, or to follow you. Um, the, let's turn to chap page, the one more page of Luke 19. And um, I, th- I believe this is probably um, the story that we're all familiar with in verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And now behold, there was a certain man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich and he sought to see Jesus, but could not because of the crowd, for he was a short stature. So he ran ahead, and he climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass away. And then Jesus came uh, to the place. He looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So that he made haste and came down, and they received him joyfully. Uh, But when he saw that all had uh, complained, saying, he has gone to be with the guest and with this man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus, this is his repentance here, stood and said to the Lord, 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 I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone or by false accusation, accusation, I will restore them. Then Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. So here we have a perfect picture of repentance. Zacchaeus stops doing what he was doing, and he's going to now make restitution. He's going to give his, uh, he's going to give his, uh, what he stole. He's going to restore it. He's going to restore more than what he had. So that's the idea of of repentance here, um, and uh, and I hope we get a picture of that. Any com- any thoughts or questions? Yes, right. There, there always is a work. Um, I, I don't have. I could write it up here. In, in, re, in regeneration, we have uh, regeneration, and then uh, that's born again, and that produces faith and repentance. We'll put in here, and then justification, and that leads to what? Good works, right? That leads to good works. Uh, yes, obedience, right? That leads to obedience. The, the, uh, some would move works here. That leads to justification. That Paul, we just spent what ten weeks in Romans about that. That 
you know, no one is justified by the works of the law. But this is really the order of salvation. Regeneration, born again. You must be born again in John 3. Uh, John, the word there is, uh, is the idea. Uh, it's a passive. You must be born from above. There must be something acting upon you. So uh, in the Arminian uh, uh, theology, they would, they would have, they would have, uh, they would have faith here, faith and repentance before regeneration. So you believe, therefore you're saved. And that's, you know, that's, I know we get off the path here, but the idea is you can't believe because you're dead in trespasses and sin. And so the, the Reformed theology says you, you're born again, you're quickened alive, you repent, you turn to God in faith, and then you're justified, therefore being justified by faith, and then being justified by faith, we produce good works. Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And so if, if there's no good works, then what? There's no salvation, right? It's always an evidence or fruit of salvation. So, okay, good. Any other questions or thoughts? All right, um, let's look at Paul just a minute. Uh, Acts 17, uh, here we see the universal call of the gospel. Um, and, and Paul is uh, speaking here. Uh, I want to make the point that not only did Jesus teach repentance, uh, John the Baptist certainly did, uh, the apostle Paul does. And uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 30 here. Uh, truly these times of ignorance God has overlooked but now commends all men everywhere to repent this is the gospel that Paul preaches repent turn away it's the same word there to turn away from what you're doing uh, and then he says because he has appointed a day of which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man who he has ordained and given assurance to this by all raising him from the dead so part of the gospel that we preach when we witness is trust Christ as your Savior and Lord that's faith repent turn away from your sins and turn toward Christ uh, and that is uh, that is the gospel why is that important well it's important because there is a turning away from something to something it's not just it's not just stopping what you're doing and turning to Christ but it's turning from something or even continuing as Pete noted continuing in your old ways, uh, but it is turning toward uh, Christ. Uh, let's look at one more uh, passage here, uh, 2 Timothy 2. Again, Paul. Twenty-two through twenty-five. As Paul says, flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, peace with those who are called on the Lord out of a pure heart, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, be able to teach and be patient. Um, in humility, correcting those who are of opposition or oppose him, if God perhaps will grant them repentance. Repentance. Not just faith, but repentance. That God would bring a lot of back a new work. So what, what he says here, so that they may know the truth. So part of, again, what we see here 
is, uh, is, 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 the, is part of repentance. It's not always preached in the church. It's not always taught, but it is certainly part of, of Reformed theology, and it should be part of our gospel message. Um, one more. Let's look at this. Second Peter. This is kind of a controversial verse, but I'll go there. Second Peter 3, 9. Um, here, this is Peter. So we have Jesus, John the Baptist, Jesus, uh, Paul, and also Peter. The Lord is not slack. Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The idea is the same as Paul. We call we make a universal call for all men to repent. Uh, that's the universal call of the gospel. Yes, we believe in sovereign grace. We believe that God elects from the foundation of the world. Did you miss? Did I miss something? Second yeah, no, Peter three nine. Okay, but we also call men, all men everywhere, to repent, as as John or as Paul said, and here. Uh, this is uh, this is the uh, Peter. I think he's talking about the elect here when he says his long suffering toward us. That's his specific group there, and he says not willing that any should perish. He's not teaching universalism, but that all should come to repentance. So all of Christ's church, all of Christ's people, who are true believers, will not have faith, but also repentance will be a part of their life. Repentance will be ongoing for sure but it will be a part of their salvation so any any thoughts questions okay so the second group that i want to look at is not only repentant but a dependent people uh you can turn to first corinthians 12 with me here uh, obviously i'm not going to get through all points 1 Corinthians 12, let's just look at a couple things here. Um, the Apostle Paul uses the, the, the expression or the uh, example of the body uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, verses uh, 12 through 14. And uh, it's, we, we read here, For as the body is one, has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For with or by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and have all been made to drink into the spirit or by the spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many members. And then he goes on to speak about, so uh, not only are we repentant people, but we're dependent people on each other. We're not, we're not made to live by ourselves. We're made to live in community. We're made to live uh, as, as, a, as a body. So as our hands function, so, so our church should function. So our assembly uh, should function. Notice here, he says the body's made up of many members, uh, just as our human body consists of hands, feet, eyes, nose, and mouth. So the body of Christ is made up of different members. Uh, in verse 17 here, he says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? So... Uh, the, the, the point he's making here, uh, Paul stresses that each member has a specific function, just as your fingers can't do what your tongue can do. Uh, in the body, uh, it's true also, each member has a special function within the body. And I just want to encourage you all this morning, 
uh, as I talk to myself, there's a place for you in, in the body. Um, and everybody has a different place. And if we all were hands, then we would need, we would be in trouble, right? And if we were all were a nose, uh, we would be in trouble. Um, we see in verse 18 here, he says, but now it is God who sets the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleases. Uh, it is uh, God that defines the function for each one of us. Uh, we can have input from others. We can have, uh, we can have direction. But it is really God that defines what talents or what gifts you've been given. Uh, they are not uh, man-made or given. Uh, and then in verse 21, just jump down there. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Uh, we can't say to the other members of the church, I don't need you. We're, we, we, no more than you can say, the eye can say to the hand, you're not, you're not valuable. So as a church, we, we're, I'm just reminding us all that we're dependent on each other, but we all have a function, and we can't say that the people that we don't necessarily agree with, we don't, we don't, you're not valuable here. We're, we're all valuable. There's a place within this community. Uh, we can't say that we don't need another member. For the church or body to Christ to function properly, uh, we must each use our own gifts or be dependent on those that have gifts or function that we are not given. So if we, the hand, uh, the hand is useless when it comes to walking, right? Well, unless you can walk on your hands, but the hand is useless when it comes to smelling. And so we don't all have the same gifts. And so we're dependent on those that have other gifts around us to minister to us as we minister to them and encourage them um, and, and one another. It would be insanity for someone to say, I'm a hand, but I don't need the feet. Uh, and in a church, it would be insane to say, I, I'm, I have my group over here, but I don't need the rest of the group. I, they're not valuable. And, uh, or I don't need the feet or the eyes or the nose or the mouth or the tongue. Uh, you're, we're not a complete body in our, ourselves. Uh, we are dependent on each other uh, as, as members. Uh, we would say that it's really foolish uh, to say we don't need each other. In verse 22, Paul stresses that all members are necessary, even the feeble members or those that are maybe behind the scenes. Uh, and in verse 25, notice what he says here, uh, that there should be no schism in the body, but that all members should have the same care uh, one for the other. Uh, the idea of schism is, is uh, breaking apart or a division, uh, there should be no division, but we should all work together. Now, let me make a clarification here. This doesn't mean that we all think and act the same way. Clearly the hand doesn't act the same way as the feet, right? And so there is a, uh, Paul's point here is that we work together with the gifts that we've been given for the common good. Uh, but we all do not do the same thing at the same time, at the same uh, place. Uh, Paul wants us to work together in unity so that when the mind thinks, the hands and the feet and the body all react toward the same goal. I know you won't hear this word out of me very much, but there is diversity within the church. We need diversity, right? We, we can't have all hands. We can't have all feet. And so this is biblical diversity, right? The biblical diversity is that we all are being given different gifts for the function within the body, for uh, the purpose here, uh, the body. It says, notice here, 
he says when one member suffers, all the members suffer in verse 26. Um, and when one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or when one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. I'm going to give you a test here today to take home with you. Um, so uh, when all the members, or when one member suffers, we all suffer, right? You stub your big toe, everything hurts. Um, it's, and that's the same with a church. Uh, we, we, we suffer together. We, uh, and, and John and Darla are a perfect case of that, uh, that uh, it, it hurts the whole body. However, here's the test for you and test for me. It's easy to, I think it's easy to suffer with somebody. It's easy to show compassion. But he says, when one member is honored, are all the members rejoice. So when another member is honored, do you rejoice? Uh, and that, I think that's the difficult part of, 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 of the body of Christ. We're very good at empathy. We're not very good at when somebody else is honored or somebody, we, we might even say, oh, I deserve that, or they, they shouldn't get that accolation. Paul doesn't say just that we are happy, but we rejoice uh, with that. So when one, mem when one member is honored, all uh, honored. And uh, as I said, I think this can be difficult, and you can think about that, how it works in your own life. I'm not asking for you to raise hands. but uh, So I ask myself this question, who am I dependent on? Are there people in the church, other people that I'm dependent on? And there are. And I hope you know that there's people here that you can depend on. But who am I dependent on? And then uh, can they depend on me? Are there people that, that you can minister to, that you can be part of the body and minister to, to use your gifts to help others uh, in, in, in difficult times or just regular times here at Bible Chapel? So um, any, any questions, thoughts? I'm hoping I challenge us all to think a little differently this morning. And then I'll just I'll close with this. Uh, teachable people. Uh, every member of the church should have a desire to study God's word, to be taught. Um, in Ephesians 4, we'll look there in a minute, uh, it's certainly the responsibility of the pastor or the elders to do the primary teaching of the church. But all of us should be teachers in some ways. Uh, Titus is clear that the older women should teach, I think it's Titus 2, to teach the younger women. Uh, the, uh, Paul talks about passing on, uh, teaching young men to pass on the young men, to pass on the young men. Uh, so there's a, there's a sense in which all of us should be teachers. Uh, and so as we use our gifts, uh, whether it's uh, the gift of mercy you can certainly teach with that gift of mercy. But primarily in the scriptures, the overall teaching of the congregation is given to the, the, the pastors and the elders. Uh, turn to Second, or, uh, Second Timothy uh, 2.15. writing to Timothy, his uh, son, spiritual son. He says, be diligent to present yourselves approved of God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, the, the NIV has the word uh, diligent, the King James. Uh, some of your Bibles might say study to show yourselves approved unto God. That's how I think I memorized it when I was, was younger. And um, it's the same word. It's translated labor 
in uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11, if you want to look at that later. So that Paul would say, um, be, uh, be labor to present yourselves. Labor in the word uh, is um, the word approved has the idea of testing or being tested or tried true. We use it when we uh, prove metal, we boil uh, or we, uh, we melt um, gold and the impurities come off of it. That's the idea of approved, uh, pure in, in, your, in your teaching. Uh, it means uh, uh, the words uh, study is also translated. Oh, it said it can be mean, it can also be translated zealous. I, I missed that here. Um, the thought is that God can only approve those who are proving themselves to be true in the test of life. God wants us all, not just the pastors and the teachers, but all of us to study God's word and to learn God's word uh, together. The, uh, many times we can get caught up in our study and our learning and forget that it is only God that can give the ultimate approval. It, I stand here before you and, and you teach others in your uh, own private uh, times, but it's really God that gives the approval. Um, James says, be not many teachers, for they shall receive a greater condemnation. Uh, believe me, every time I stand here, and I'm sure Ty's the same way, and Kevin, we understand that heavy burden. But it's also incumbent on all of us to be learners to, uh, and to be teachable in the word of God. Um, the, um, Paul says, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Uh, think about an artist who is... Uh, creating uh, maybe a beautiful bowl and uh, he says or she says I'm going to make this beautiful bowl and you get to their house and it looks like a fifth grader made an ashtray right that's the idea you're you sh you're ashamed of your work when you look at that and say this is a masterpiece and somebody looks at it and goes oh my goodness uh, you should be ashamed at that it's like a, a man that says I could cut something straight and when you look at the board it looks like a looks like this and so Paul says when you study to show God's work, uh, proved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. When you teach and when you learn from others, it should be where, where you're not uh, embarrassed or ashamed about the work. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a, be diligent to do that. Um, Paul was trying to get across here that work and study and learning God's word is like a fine piece of woodworking or painting. Uh, when someone looks at it, uh, it makes an evaluation. You are not ashamed of what you have set out to do. And so as, we, as, you, as you have different ministries within the church, whether it's counseling, whether it's encouraging, whether it's uh, the gift of mercy, uh, do it with diligence. Do it with the word of God, with a clear understanding of what, God, uh, what God's word says. Uh, Paul was the leather worker. He certainly under knew, knew what it meant to cut something straight or to do something uh, straight. And so uh, it's interesting here um, in this, and uh, he says here, um, it's, uh, it present the truth rightly so we can, uh, by treating it honestly and fully in a straightforward manner. The, the last phrase there, uh, rightly dividing the word of truth, is an interesting phrase there. It's one word. It's the word, uh, see if you recognize this, O-R-T-H-O-T-O-O-U. N-T-A, the first part is O-R-T-H. What do you think we get from that? Yeah, orthodontist, which does what? 
straightens teeth. So the idea is when you, when you rightly divide the word of God, you do it straightly or correctly. Uh, that's, that's the idea. We get, as I said, our, our word orthodontist. Um, you may say, well, what is the purpose of learning or being teachable? Uh, we, uh, we know, um, uh, we'll just look at one verse. Let's look at Philippians 4, 9. I think I'll close with this. Here's why we do this. Paul says here, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these things do, and the peace of God be with you. The reason we do this is so that we can minister to others, so that we can strengthen others, whether it's from the pulpit or whether it's privately as we uh, talk to each other. Uh, We do it with diligence. We do it with zeal. We do it straightly. We rightly divide the word of God, and we do it uh, with enthusiasm. So I'll close there. Um, I'll pick this up maybe at another date uh, in the future. So if you have any comments or questions, make sure you see me afterwards. Thank you.